Hi, this is Florian with 99 Startups, and I have today a new podcast guest. Would you be so kind to introduce yourself? Sure. Good morning, Florian. Thank you for having me. My name is uh, Julia Doll. Uh, I'm Head of Innovation and Uplift at Vodafone. So awesome. Um, would you briefly uh, tell us how did you get to this position? What was your story? Sure. So I would say I'm having a more classic path. Uh, I started after university, after spending some months uh, in China and enjoying uh, the last months of the study life. I studied at or started at PwC in a consultancy business in the logistics and transportation segment. So most of our customers have something to move, so through air, sea, or on the rail. Uh, also classical freight logistics companies. And um, yeah, we did consultancy businesses in yeah supply chain optimization, stuff like that. And then they got, there was a project together with the European Business School on future megatrends and how that would transform the transportation and logistics industry. Um, and it was like a foresight study about the world in 2030, so two years from that time back then. And actually, that was the, yeah, the, we say the trigger point that brought me to innovation, I would say. Yeah, because it was a Delphi methodology and we had scenario planning workshops and all this, yeah, looking into the future and thinking about how our behavior and also how we run business will change. That really, yeah, inspired me. And after like four and a half years and quite a lot of work in, in consultancy, at the end, I figured out uh, the more I go into the innovation part, I really wanted to develop a product. Uh, so I joined E+, which was at that time the fourth uh, mobile network operator before it got bought by Telefonica. Uh, and I was at the strategic business development where my major project was the mobile wallet. That was the vision to completely digitalize the wallet with all their um, physical cards. So from definitely payment, which was the yeah, most followed use case, everybody was keen on to loyalty cards, to your uh, transportation card, but also to your passport and identity cards. Yeah, so actually that was a very great project, a great time. It was a cross mobile network operator project in terms of stand, like technological standardizations uh, and a really uh, great time because it was like, okay, you're the, we are the pioneers and we will change the world uh, atmosphere. Yeah, then uh, it turned like where we are right now, it's, uh, maybe we were too early in our time. Um, so it was quite difficult in market adaption. Have, have been smartphones already around or was it before smartphone? No, no, it was in 2000, like 2012. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, definitely smartphones were available, but for the technology, you needed uh, NFC. And that, that was like the turning point. So the first NFC smartphones were on the market. It was still a doubt whether Apple 
will include NFC uh, in their uh, next generation smartphones. And it was, yeah, the first talks also with banks, but it was before Apple Pay got launched and also then Google Pay. So, yeah. uh, and we were talking with, uh, we were still convinced <laughs> that we could transform traditional banks, yeah, into maybe this digital project and to to get um, the applications on the SIM card, which you then call a secure element. So actually, it's like a little container you move onto the uh, really physical SIM card, and which then is like a banking application or stuff like that, um, and which is then running and doing the same as maybe currently it's known for uh, the apps you would then just download. Yeah, it's interesting. It was also probably the the correct idea because um, it happened it happened afterwards. And uh, <laughs> so, what were what were your your plans there, or like how did you try to to solve this issue? I, I think PayPal was already around, so there were also some some other players in this field. Yeah, I think it, at that time everybody was still convinced that uh, due to also security. Mm, restrictions, but also customer adoption. I mean, Germany still has the lowest credit card penetration in the EU. Um, we still thought, okay, the, the Germans are, they will trust, like if, if it comes to payments, they will definitely trust um, traditional banking institutions more <laughs> than um, the digital companies from the US. So, um, yeah, actually it was still, and we were really intrigued and I would even call it obsessed from the idea. So it, it, it turned out to be like a vacuum situation where we didn't maybe also thought to talk also to customers outside. So when I talk with friends about my job and they would then ask myself, Julia, but... Is there a problem? I mean, I I always have a problem when I need to pay, it, even if it's cash or like really this um, the coins I hand over to the cashier. And if I do that now with a smartphone, where is my benefit? Uh, but even from those first uh, talks, I didn't really get it. That parent, apparently we're trying to solve a problem out there that doesn't exist. So my learning was... Um, afterwards also like still dealing with innovation and new business models that it's very uh, important to listen to yeah the market and if you really create value with new ideas in the perception of the customer yeah yeah actually maybe it was we didn't really listen and we were really yeah inspired by the new technology and what um, it all Uh, makes it yeah possible maybe also a little bit now the same situation we currently also face with 5g i mean uh, it's still in its early stages um we still need market adoption and we really now need to get the message across to customers especially in the b2c segment how like what 5g um it can offer and how it benefits Yeah, customer. Yeah. So, but probably let's let's uh, let's don't jump too fast. Uh, we will yeah, come to sorry. five later. Um, so, probably you you studied um, business something with business originally. 
Uh, yes, it was European economics. So um, actually it was an international um, study program where I spent two years in Aachen, uh, one year in France and one year in Sweden. Um, so that was the international po point in that, but it was really focused on economics and management. Yeah, yeah, cool. So it's always a good, good foundation. And the, the interesting thing about the, the um, payment sector or banking sector, it's, it's, it's always was tackled by innovation. So um, the original, the original, like the, the startup, uh, the second startup of Elon Musk was um, x.com. And he founded it to disrupt the banking sector because he was not understanding why the payment needs so long. If it's just uh, ones and zeros, or if it's just um, digital, it's just IT problems. And out of this, uh, he fusioned later with, um, with PayPal and then out of that, PayPal got created. And then PayPal shifted his focus because they realized um, the eBay customers was re were really keen to use to use their service because originally they had uh, the claim or the idea you can send money over email. So that was the first thing of x.com. And then they pivoted over time because they realized, okay, uh, it seems like people are not really interesting about this email thing. They're way more interesting the, interested in the, the fact that they can um, just put the PayPal logo in the eBay profile and then use... PayPal as a middleman for the eBay transactions. So, and um, probably that would be also the, how we already said, like the, the smart way to try to stay flexible in this field. So even if the customers say we're not interested or we don't see the benefit, there's a lot of, there were a lot of room in the payment field. So there was a reason why Wirecard was existing on the beginning, <laughs> the fraud to the side, but there was, there is like a, a thing of the payment transaction um, sector to make it easier. So you don't need to always tackle the, the customer itself with, with that they pay with a smartphone. It could be also somewhere next, uh, somewhere after in the, in the value chain. So, yeah, I think the, your original idea to, to, to work in this field was like the, or to, to tackle this field was good. Probably it seems like you should have been more flexible and more open to see whatever solutions could be helpful right away agree yes so awesome so i would say you you probably learned a lot in this in this time so um what what happened afterwards so what were the next Next. Yeah, it happened that um, at that time, not there. I mean, if you could, if you were an expert in the mobile wallet field, there was just, I would say, maybe 20 or 30 people uh, in the MNO space who, um, yeah, who were in such projects. So, and then there was a decision okay, do I always stick in now with uh, the smart wallet or the mobile wallet, or do I maybe also? Um, continue my path so also the decision why I left uh, the consultancy business because I wanted to develop new products products and uh, new business segments um, so I decided that um, to uh, there was this offer um, from Vodafone which is was in my um, yeah so to say sweet spot about uh, strategic business development was called at that time so i decided okay let's continue the innovation path and just um, yeah go to another endeavor uh, and i joined uh, vodafone um, now six years ago um, and 
actually then I had a different projects in the innovation space. So mobile TV strategy, um, smart city, stuff like that. But then there was a question or a, a working project. Uh, the title was, okay, we need to do something with startups because everybody, a huge corporate is doing that. Uh, so that was on my table and I asked back the management, but what do you want to do with startups? So it's a very broad <laughs> task. So what's their objective? And actually it was more a blank, uh, a blank page. Um, and then that was how everything got started. So I would say in the startup ecosystem, I would call myself the founder and CEO of Uplift. So which is now, um, the startup accelerator of Vodafone Germany, where we try to set up cooperations with startup in the cloud and IoT space. Yeah, which is always a, a good question uh, after they said, "Hey, we want to do something with startups." So, what exactly want you do you want to have out of it? Because the uh, the goal you said is the most important thing of a journey. So. Um, What was the answer to that? Like uh, what they said, like what, what was the goal of from Uplift? I mean, at the beginning, it was really, that was the answer, right? It was like, okay, but yeah, feel free and just do something with them. Like, so it was really uh, very like enthusiastic to, yeah, um, maybe founders have been regarded as source of inspiration and uh, new business models. Um, but then closely after I joined, um, we also got this switch, um, I think one and a half years later uh, with our CEO. So Hannes Almetsreiter joined, who's really passionate about innovation. And I would say that's part of his DNA. So um, yeah, actually then, Everybody got shaped, got shaped a little bit more. So before that, we tried to set up an internal and external ecosystem. So to make the company capable to work with startups in terms of like legal contracts, but also the pro procurement, the onboarding phase, but also the processes. Um, and actually that is uh, something I also underestimated in terms of how long it will take you to first also understand all processes that exist, then to identify the right person to, yeah, to convince them in trying something else and maybe doing it a little bit different than before. Uh, and who would then also, I would say, jump on this new endeavor and try to, to tackle it together with you. And then, yeah, Hannes joined and he, I would say he shaped also our mission and also um, it was clear that we developed something that uh, strengthens our strengths. So, um, yeah, we got a, also a pivot in the concept and we choose to have a thematic focus. Uh, so back in, and we launched then Uplift as it is today with also our own branding and um, in November 2017. So we've had a focus then on innovation and IoT because IoT was, I mean, we're a world market leader in IoT. Um, so that was, I mean, that is definitely one of our strengths. Uh, we're having a huge expert network all around the globe. The whole product itself is 
um, international, so you can bring your product, which is then equipped with a global SIM card or so the global platform to every other country uh, with a Vodafone network. So actually also something where we say, okay, that um, supports startups in their scaling ambitions. And uh, the other strengths we identified is our sales network. So the we're having a very strong sales task force out there addressing every business segment from small and medium-sized companies um, to large multinational players. Um, so, yeah, that was the two pillars we based on the new concept. So, and you shaped it in the concept that these are like the only things like to say first that you help startups to skill their business in the IoT sector. And the second pillar is that like, uh, if this works successfully or during this process, you also give access to, to your um, network of, of, um, of already existing customers or potential customers. Yes, correct. So um, if the startup is, I mean, uh, still connectivity is still the, I would say the basic entry of cooperation at least for the IoT space. Um, we then, if we also identify that there is also a strategic fit to our own product portfolio, we then, um, yeah, onboard the startup and sell the startup product through our distribution network to our B2B customers. So that's a distribution partnership. Um, and actually then our sales network um, is key and also the contacts to all the different B2B customers. And do you do, you do also any other investments like seed investments or... Um... No, yeah, we don't. We really focus on our cooperation approach um, and we don't do any investments because there is always then uh, uh, two different interests um, from my perspective. So if you do an investment, most of the time it's based on financial KPIs and the return you estimate from the investment. Um, and then there's always this um, trade-off that you then also try to use the startup maybe for your core business, which then is you come into a kind of a conflict or you realize that the investment you made doesn't totally fit your business. So then you come into questions, <laughs> why, why is that an investment and you cannot utilize that for your core business? So that has happened in the past at Vodafone Group. Um, so and we also thought um, that's not our strength, right? We are not a financial partner and money, luckily, I mean, has developed in a, in a good way. So for the good startups to find an investor isn't really hard any longer. So we really thought, okay, we will focus on our core competencies. Yeah, I think it's, 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 it's a smart way to just focus because it's getting easier with that. Um, so if you focus on only one or two things, um, you can really start to solve these problems. And if you focus on too much, uh, you're getting too much problems on the, on, the, on the plate and then you need to kind of solve all of them. Thank <laughs> you.
Yeah, totally. So actually, it's kind of we always tell ourselves. I mean, we should operate like a startup, even if we work in a corporate. But I mean, focus is definitely also the key for any startup in terms of bringing their business concept to life. So that's how how we always try to also follow the same rules in our job. Yeah, that's good. So you saw a lot in your in your working life so far. So what do you say? What what is innovation for you? How do you define innovation? Innovation for me, and also it's good that we talked about the mobile wallet experience before, because that really also shaped my own definition. I would say so. It's um, it's an invention, uh, definitely. So you come up with something new, but which then definitely needs to be paired with a value. So you can't be successful only with the invention itself uh, outside in the market if nobody buys uh, your product or the service you offer because, um, yeah, people need to see a value and also be willingly to pay for that. Um, so that's, I would say it's innovation is the invention paired with value. With value, yeah. Makes absolutely sense. And then um, we talked also already a bit about uh, business development. Uh, how do you define a business development? Yeah. Um, so very, uh, in a broad sense, I would say it's um, for an organization or a company. It's a strategic path to target new opportunities um, and that can be through partnerships so we have a following an open innovation approach um, or through the creation and the development of new products and services yeah yeah so for Vodafone or for my current um, business it's like we try with our work also to try to um, support our uh, current transformation, which is from a telco to a techco. So we try to um, enlarge our supply chain and to offer our customers differentiated products um, along the whole and offer an end-to-end -end solution from the whole supply chain. Uh, and that also then symbolizes that you offer definitely more than just pure connectivity. So it's mostly, I mean, in the IoT space, it's hardware, software, an IoT platform and a service. So it's mainly things like that um, you have already um, um, a, produce, a producer of, of screws or something as a customer, and he already got from you all the internet connection um, things, and then you can offer him additionally Uh, other services which help him to generate value, right? Correct. So in your example, then it would be maybe for his machines, smart maintenance products or smart maintenance services for the machines um, or big data analytics on if his production is running in the most efficient way as it should be. Just two examples. Yep. Yeah, and for everything you need internet connections at the end, or like you need um, transmission of data, which is like always the foundation of digitalization um, at the end. 
So, yeah, definitely interesting. So, I, but I'm wondering if you say you started like pretty like uplift was not there when you started, or you you started it uh, when you joined there. So, so the beginning is always the hardest. So you say, okay, <laughs> please bring get some context to startups and uh, please um, connect it to our existing um, portfolio. So. How did you tackle this this problems? Like, how did you build up the the internal stake you need to be able to to um, bring startups through? And then, how did you reach or get access to the good right startups? Mm -hmm. um, so, I would say the the foremost is it needs time. And I when I joined, and I also talked to. At the beginning, I really yeah listened a lot, and also tried to network with uh, my peers out there. So figuring out how others in uh, larger um, corporations are doing that, what were their um, strategies, but also their failures. Um, and they always told me, yeah, Julia, uh, it takes time. And I thought, yeah, but now I know already how they did it. So I will just follow the path and it will uh, be quickly ramped up. But um, yeah, it always needs time because then it's like you try to set that up in your own company with your own DNA and the old, your own history. Um, so uh, it's not, you cannot paste and copy that. And then, um, What I was to always to tell my team is like you need a passion and patience at the same time. So clearly you need to um, transport a vision, so which is inspiring and which you can then also create a, a kind of a follow followers for your vision. But you also then on that way <laughs> you need patience because yeah, it's still a large uh, company with quite a lot of processes. Um, And definitely you always also make need to make your own experiences and the first failures. Um, and also always a, a person then who then maybe mirrors uh, the past. So when Hannes joined, he was asking, okay, I mean, everything is, is well what you do, but how do you create really value and what is the impact? Uh, and that was the time when we thought, okay, it's like, um, it's not this innovation bubble at the end. Um, yeah, we work in Vodafone um, yeah. and we need to create value at the end. <laughs> um, so, um, and that also changed our behavior and also we tried to understand The, the targets of our stakeholders and also the targets of our clients, so to say, who are the business units um, and also the sales guys out there. So yeah. you need to ensure if you want to, if they, if, or if you want to make them selling startup products, you need to ensure they got their provision. Um, it needs to be an easy process which they are used to be do um yeah and actually yeah that was that was the the phase and it's it takes time but uh, yeah and persistence maybe so the three p's <laughs> yeah and i'm i'm but i'm also wondering um 
So how, how did you find the, the good startups? Because this is like the foundation of everything. You need startups uh, where you say, okay, mm -hmm. they fit your profile, where the, the salesmen are excited. And this is probably mm -hmm. the foundation of everything. Like what was your, your tryouts or your ways to, to get this, uh, this channel on? Mm. Yeah, I think it, it's also, it develops over time. Um, and first we used the, the normal sourcing tools and like startup competitions or festivals. So we went out uh, to, to the ecosystem. We also talked to peers. So, um, for example, we're having also, um, yeah, an exchange with our colleagues from, um, A1 in Austria. Um, or Swisscom, so who are also having the startup teams, and also definitely we we take a look. Okay, what worked well uh, in in their ecosystem? Um, and we also tried external um, partners who sourced um, startups for us. We also having our like definitely startups who apply for Uplift. Um, but now it's like one of my uh, key learnings was, um, so to say, size matters for relevance. So since we now got a little bit more mature and since we also now have success stories, so with startup corporations in the market, um, it's on the External, like our visibility, how we present ourselves also on huge um, startup festivals. For example, we're having a strategic cooperation also with Bits and Pretzels and the network there. So actually we got, um, or we could attract um, very good startups. Um, but it also matters internally. So um, now we're setting up uh, our own community with the startups and now we also got recommendations from startups in the program who tell us yep. I think no, I know I don't know X Y I think they would fit benefit very good into uh, into your strategy which is then always which on the one hand side is the best uh, best sign of, or the best appraisal for your own work because apparently they are um, satisfied with the program uh, but definitely then the recommendations always were of good and very high quality yeah that's a nice example and i, I agree that like if you get a ball run rolling and it's starting to roll then our things come so you need to get yeah. over the first hurdles and if you have good success stories then uh, mostly if this is scalable what you do um it it will grow from from that on a bit easier than on the beginning so what were the 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 most uh the most story or the most scenarios you were proud of like the which which examples you said uh, that were the key key points uh, when we did when this worked uh, everything else came a bit easier mm. um yeah i would say it's uh a partnership with a smart city system. It's a startup from Nuremberg and we cooperate with them in a distribution partnership. So we um, sell their smart parking sensor as yeah. uh, with our um, product portfolio in the smart city space. Um, and it, yeah, and actually it developed very good because we were lucky to 
um, uh, acquire or to win a very large customer. So one of the largest parking uh, management providers in the EU. And uh, through that cooperation, which is then also from regarding from the sales network, uh, a very large deal. <laughs> so uh, that already created a lighthouse within the uh, sales organization. Um, yeah. Currently, together with the startup, we rolled out 25,000 sensors throughout Germany. So you can find them in uh, really every state. And uh, this year, we also uh, included another product, which is the ceiling sensor. So that's a product for uh, larger um, parking decks, um, which is then glued or uh, screwed um, to the ceiling um, and can also then detect uh, the parked uh, cars there. So actually, they also work in a magnetic uh, field. So they then detect whether the space is occupied or not. Um, but we couldn't use the same solution as on the surface because then the magnetic field would then um, couldn't really detect if it's like a, a storage or a different floors on top of each other and couldn't detect whether there is a car from the current level or from an upper or downer level. So there needed to be some adjustments on that. Yeah. So, but, but I'm realizing, so like, um, you're like quite on the up and like on the forefront of, uh, IOT because, um, a lot of things of the IoT sector happens in the background <laughs> and starting seems like to starting to involve much more. And um, um, I'm also guessing that like it's really useful for the startups to have you on board because big projects like that, they are mostly run from cities and they're mostly, if their cities are involved, they are run as a tender. So mm -hmm. you need to applicate to, to get, to get them, to get a contract. And, um, Probably you are way more experienced with your sales team in this field than uh, a young startup or middle-sized startups. Yeah, totally agree. Um, but also in terms of IoT, sometimes it always, like from the outside, um, it always looks so easy. For example, the the um, parking sensor for the for the lots. Um, And so we now also equip them with a narrowband IoT. So before that, they were um, just connected through a gateway. Um, but and then narrowband makes it uh, much more easier because it's like then every sensor is um, works on its own and you can just glue it itself um, and don't need to connect it to the gateway and the hassle like that and then to the cloud. But also, also that, uh, I think it took us like over one year in order to figure out the right components and when does it go to sleep mode and how do you, does that affect the battery level and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it always looks very easy. Like it's, uh, people just think, okay, it's a sensor, but if you then go into the details, it's, it's sometimes pretty tricky. <laughs> so, and Probably your role is also a bit more than uh, than the sales uh, people because 
probably you go all you have also in the infrastructure perspective so uh, where where does it stop or what what does it include of that so definitely you you provide the connection so uh, it doesn't matter if it's probably mobile or wi-fi or at least the connection the, and um do you go also on the cloud space or where do you see your technology role in the 5g field yeah so actually i haven't mentioned uh, the cloud space yet that is something we also then uh, launched in 2019 as an additional offering to our um, program it's called um, the pace setter so there we target more early stage startups who are in the beginning of their yeah, market and product development um, and the promise or yeah the products uh, offering is uh, you take care of the product and you develop it to a certain um, market stage and we take care of your IT um, infrastructure. So within the package, the startups receive cloud credits, uh, mobile and fixed net connectivity and also IoT connectivity if that's needed for their solution. Um, and actually that uh, developed also pretty good um, and the program itself um, is mostly um, triggered through the cloud um, offering. Uh, and it's not only the cloud credit itself, but it's also accompanied by yeah, a consultant's service we offer in terms of how do you need to set up uh, your cloud architecture in order to be like um, yeah, future-proof so that your solution can scale up. Um, yeah in uh, in full-fledged market rollout uh, maybe also how is it already set up in terms of that you later on maybe have different cloud providers um, so actually that's the whole package they receive um, and you mentioned yeah wi-fi so uh, yeah Vodafone has grown tremendously through the in the last years. I mean, we first uh, acquired um, Kabel Deutschland, uh, then now Unity Media. Um, we're the largest now TV provider within Germany. So it's it, it has grown from the classic or our traditional business in mobile. It's uh, now also fixed. It's fiber. Um, yeah, it's TV, um, a huge section of IoT a cloud business um, and now also like 5G, but I mean, that's a standard within the mobile um, area. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So 5G. actually a, a broad portfolio um, you can manage and offer. <laughs> yeah. The 5G is uh, like a lot about like also setting the framework up for uh, defining the framework for connectivity so i'm also guessing that like the connectivity is the most important thing about your uh, your cloud offer because you need to find a way in the iot sector to get the data in a, a easy and uh, reliable in the cloud where you can work with them so i probably guess that there is also your your biggest value you bring to the table that you know the best how connectivity works yeah so um 
because we, we are already now in the IoT sector, um, where do you expect the IoT sector to be in five to 10 years? Ooh, yeah, actually now with 5G, that opens up so many um, possibilities. And I think uh, we are just um, at the beginning, um, as I mentioned. Um, so 5G will definitely be the new normal. So 4G was launched approximately 10 years ago. Uh, so it takes a while. 5G is just one and a half years old. Uh, it's still in the rollout, um, but it will um, enable new formats on how we communicate. So even more distance, but also through mixed reality, uh, it will be feel more closer through like VR um, applications or a whole opportation. Um, yeah, so I couldn't even say if it's still, if I could imagine all um, different, the whole flower bucket, so to say. So um, would you say that the biggest potential still lies in the, in the, um, in the industry part, or do you think customers will also see big changes coming, like the consumer face yeah. or like them? Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I, I would also say it, it affects uh, both sides. Maybe the B two B use cases have been more already in the press, um, but also um, last year we launched our first. Um, 5G AR stadium case with VfL uh, Wolfsburg. So where um, the um, visitors in a, in a football, football stadium, um, the stadium is equipped with 5G and we launched a mobile application. So when the game is up and running, um, the visitors just could hold on their smartphone uh, to there were people on the field playing and you got live statistics on what's a running pace, how is his um, his um, performance level, how many goals did he make in the last three matches. Um, so it was immersed with information real time. Uh, and I think that already just gave a little glimpse on what will be possible. Right. Yeah, so, for example, yeah. how we just mentioned before, like how maybe Christmas looks like this year. So I assume also in, in five years, um, you have your grandparents uh, still in your living room, maybe, but as an avatar, right? So that we just have a holopotation as a very normal kind of communication. So that you're not uh, sitting behind a, a laptop or a a tablet, um, but that you can really talk with them as as if they would be uh, really in your living room. Yeah, yeah. Also, an interesting example of the soccer stadium: do they have live feeds on your phone if you put it on the on the player? So just Corona need to be over so they can go back in the stadium, and then it would be good to try that out. Um, yeah, but also maybe um, we are also talking with one of our partner startups in terms of how you can bring different perspective of the game 
together in one sequence. So, for example, that you directly that you also maybe have cameras at uh, the goalkeeper, uh, yeah. that you have one camera next to the coach, so that you are, that you have the opportunity really grasp that whole experience. And maybe for that you really don't need to be in the stadium anymore, holding your smartphone uh, to the the players, but that you maybe follow it uh, very easily from home. Right. From home, yeah. With a similar kind of experience, yeah. Correct. And uh, then also taking it to the VR um, uh, uh, glasses. Uh, I've just, before our call, I had a 5G uh, presentation from Huawei, who just really... Um, yeah, really explained it very good that uh, realities or that we maybe not... The shift between normal world and also we are world is very easy i mean there was a, a guy in the office and he just put on his glasses and he really entered uh through a gate uh, a football uh, game which is live uh, through uh, and he just entered and he's uh, to the next to the coach on the on the field and he could really follow the game um, and if you just put off the glass you're back in in work so and i think the the shift between those different worlds uh, gets more and more fluent yeah yeah we'll see like there's some technology developments need to happen that like it's getting really uh, broad usable um, but yeah, the direction goes uh, there, definitely. What would you tell a young person which comes to you and says uh, he wants to become a head of innovation? What needs a young person to do? Hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, he needs to uh, definitely be curious, uh, to say. So uh, always um, asking questions. But on the one hand side, also to really like read a lot and learn and listen. Um, and on the other hand, I think from whatever it is, like what really triggers him, you need a kind of a little bit of obsession, I would say. So to really follow the path in a very uh, strict manner and um, never give up whatever might be in your way um, and to, you bring you need also have a bit with this obsession which sometimes is a bit I would say negative connotated but um, you could also bring that passion to others and I think that's something which is needed um, to also convince people to follow your path because definitely you couldn't uh, I mean running innovation uh, in a large corporation you can do on your own always need this the followers and the kind of people buying your vision and yeah. being behind you you need always a, a team um or like people which are with you in your mission definitely um would you say your journey was different for you as a as a woman or had it some 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 benefits or some some problems with it what would be your take on this topic mm. I wouldn't say so. Um, I say I think. I mean, the the system is the same and it has its rules. And then you need to ask yourself personally, 
am I in the game or not? And that means, do I accept the rules? And, and that is no matter, the rules are the same for everyone, either men or women. Um, and I would say, I, I just heard one sentence, uh, I, I'm not sure whether it was Obama or not, but he said, I mean, successful people always having an even a strong partner next to them, um, supporting him throughout the journey, being even the more uh, um, successful person, so to say. Um, and I can definitely um, agree on that. And I think if you have a strong partner who is definitely supporting you in your way, it doesn't matter which gender you are. So, yeah, so... Um coming to the topic work-life balance, uh, would you say it's also always needed that the other partner takes over a bit more the private life or would it be just to be a good team and both partners can develop in a work life and also handle their, their free time or family life? Mm. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I would say it's it's a, a partner approach, right? Everybody both needs to feel comfortable in in the situation, and it shouldn't be on the on the invoice of someone else or to the yeah. negative of someone else, so that he needs to put himself down or um, uh, yeah. later on maybe regret something. So yeah, and you need to find a way, and that it also then. Uh, depends on which um, how's your um, uh, what's your plan for your life right and if both share the same plan <laughs> so for I mean put that more concrete if for example if you would like to have kids or not um, yeah and and some it's always um, I would say it's a partner approach and it always requires at a certain step compromises from both of yeah. them. And if you don't do that, then uh, I would say then you're not a good team. And it's the same yeah. like in, in work conditions. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I understand and I agree. So you need a shared vision and you need to put in like what everyone wants to pay in, in this vision. And then like compromises are part of it and uh, both mm -hmm. need to be happy. That's like the foundation. And if both are happy, then uh, it will work. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. what, what, what are your favorite books? Um, favorite, I mean, I read, uh, I have two kids, so reading is really something, it's a, it's a privilege. <laughs> um, and uh, what I really liked and which really reflects, uh, pretty good, um, how you do innovation in, in large corporations is, uh, the innovator's method, uh, from Nathan Four. Uh, it's yeah. called bringing, uh, and it describes very nicely these two worlds. On um, he he calls it uh, the blue and the red world, and like the how to say so the innovation guys and and the the business units. Um, so I really enjoyed it, and I could draw quite a lot of um, advices out of that. And but it also reflected, I think, the the status quo very good. Yeah, awesome. Uh, 
And my uh, second last question is, uh, if you could go back in time to your uh, 18 or 20 year old self, what kind of advice would you give yourself? Mm. There is no master plan. So I don't think that you can really uh, plan your life in uh, like every single step and it always comes different uh, as you anticipated and um, maybe not pressure yourself too much there is still a long time in work life <laughs> so maybe I would say uh, you could I could have enjoyed a little bit more like traveling and, and stuff like that so I joined business in when I was 23 but um And I wouldn't. I would also don't regret it. But if uh, for advice is also, I mean, the question was before my advice also to people, maybe a job who would like to be head of innovation. I would say don't pre uh, pressure yourself too much. Yeah. But also, I think it's a shift in generations. So currently, also I think there is quite. Uh, From my generation, so when I uh, closed university, it was there was a different uh, mentality. So I think the current, or my perception is, the current generation is a bit more um, more balanced between work and um, private life. Yeah, yeah. Would would you would the uh, would it be a different advice to your thirty year old self? Mm. Yeah, there. I think uh, maybe pressure isn't. Um, I, I would then. I would just also stick to you. Um, you can. It's there is no master plan, right? And I think um, I, I didn't have kids at that time. But having now kids, it's like I mean, they are every morning or every day can be different, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> kindergarten calls and says, "Okay, please fetch up your." <laughs> your son because he, he right, I don't know he got uh, fallen off something uh, yeah. and then uh, you need to decide uh, I mean then everything changes anyway and you need to uh, cope with it and then it also depends on right then it's like really you need a strong partner and then you need to decide in the minute okay what's now the new plan yeah yeah definitely yeah But that's also, that makes life interesting. That it's uh, not completely planable. You have always surprises. Yeah, that's right. And it's always a phase, right? <laughs> it's a, yeah. Awesome. Julia, it was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it, talking to you. And uh, see you next time, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>